and welcome to episode 37 of the BM Cast. Not a podcast that takes a week off, but the show about playing Magic the Gathering on a budget. I'm Scott, and I am joined by the white main lion herself, Emma. How are you doing this week? Hello. I'm doing okay. I'll be honest, I feel a little bit under the weather. I think I have a head cold. I'm feeling very, very stuffy and very gross, but I'm not going to go into detail. But yeah, we've got loads to talk about because we took a week out. Mm. We didn't have an episode the week before last. Guess last week, um, I took part in a charity commander stream hosted by the lovely Princess of the MTG, who's a really mm. great uh, UK content creator who does a lot of commander. Um, we raised a bunch of money for Trans Lifeline. Um, nice. I played God Eternal Ketra, so unsurprising, I'm playing a white deck in commander. You know, you've got to keep to your roots. <laughs> um, and had a blast flickering some favorite inspectors with a white main line, which was like the highlight, to be honest. Overall, we raised about $400, and it was just nice to raise charity for a really, really good cause. Um, I believe the BODs are up on Twitch now, on Princess Lily MTG's Twitch. So if you want to check out the games, go for it. Pleasant Kenobi took like a 50-minute turn as well, which was quite funny. <laughs> Otherwise, I've been playing some Vintage Cube, because it's back up on Modo, and I love a bit of Vintage Cube. Mm. Really enjoying the like, additions from Kaltheim. So uh, Shadow of the Skulls is a really fun card to build around. I keep drafting these like Rakdos mid-range, splashing white, and just getting all this value with the showdown. Mm. It's so good. Um, also, Usher the Fallen is pretty busted in mono white. If you didn't know already, <laughs> it's probably the best Savannah lines they've printed in some time. Yeah. Also, I managed to draft a really sweet mono green ramp deck with Boronclex's Monstrous Raider, and nice. I had a really funny instance where my opponent tried to activate the Devoted Druid and didn't re- like, read what Boronclex does. So that was quite <laughs> funny. <laughs> <laughs> that was nice. an awkward moment. In terms of content, um, I've been doing a lot of work for MTG Rocks, as people know, mm-hmm. especially doing stuff like introductory guides. So I'm writing up on like, what is modern? What is commander? What is pauper? Like these sort of introductory guides for people to get into the format. Sweet. Yeah. And because Strixhaven previews start late next week, that's going to be my life for the next three weeks. So I thought I'd do something a little bit fun for a little while <laughs> before, you know, things get a bit hectic. With that outside of magic, I've been playing a lot of Slade Aspire. Um, I've mm. been trying to do a couple of speedruns because I'm getting good at it again. And I'm enjoying playing as the quiet. And, you know, having cloaks mm. and daggers and shivs is just too much fun. I'll yeah. be honest with you. It's so good. Um, how about you? How are you feeling? Uh, I'm good. Well, I'm good now anyway. To all of the listeners, as you may have noticed, we did take a week off recently. And that's because I ended up with kidney stones and couldn't work on the episode at the time. So... I apologize for my insights decision to entirely ruin my week and cause me great amounts of agony, but I'm all good now and back to normal. So it all worked out in the end, I guess. Good. Um, for my article this week, I think it's a pretty good one. It's about five budget commander combos that you can add to your decks, either as emergency win conditions or just if combos are your kind of thing. And I go through a couple of different affordable tutors as well, if you want to up the power level and that kind of thing as well. That's live over in Car Kingdom right now, if you want to go take a look. As far as magic goes, I've been having a blast in Historic. Yes. Ooh, okay. I've opened Arena for the first time in a while, and, like, everybody's been gushing about Historic recently, so I said I'd I'd give it a go. Like, from when I was streaming, I had a bunch of the cards from that are in the format anyway, so I said, why not, let's check it out. So I had enough cards and wild cards to build a couple of decks, so I had to upgrade Mono Blue Tempo from the old standard. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mono Black Ramp, which is basically just Artifact Ramp, but also running stuff like Totsies and Extinction Event and that kind of thing. Uh, Rakdos Arcanist, and surprise, surprise, I made Is a Phoenix. <gasps> I'm yeah. shook that you built Is it Phoenix <laughs> in Historic. I'm trembling at the idea. Yeah. The format feels really fun right now, even if mm. Graft Digger's Cage is actually a main deckable card at the moment, but I don't know. Yeah. 
Uh, outside of Magic, I have made a potentially huge mistake. I started playing Final Fantasy XIV. So oh dear. This is the MMO oh one. Yeah. I figured I'd give it a go because the free trial gives you a lot of gameplay. And to be honest, it is pretty fun. Uh, it's not, I'm, not, I'm not a typical MMO kind of person. I've just been sort of playing the single player game side of it. And it's been pretty enjoyable. The story hasn't really gripped me because, you know, you're a silent mm. protagonist that just arrived in town for no reason. And you've some magical gift or something. I don't know. But I'm expecting sort of patience to be a virtue on that side of things. So, so far, I feel it's been worth my time. I'm starting to get to grips with all the in-game mechanics because there are quite a few. Um, so I reckon I'll give it a couple of weeks and then I'll give my full review. But in the meantime, it seems yeah. fun, I guess, you know. If you enjoy the BM cast and would like to support them. You can become a patron for as little as $3. You'll get access to all of the notes and deck lists they use on the show. And their $7 tier gives you VIP access to the greatest budget resources of any magic podcast. So what are you waiting for? Visit patreon.com forward slash budget magic cast to level up your game and get your stonks on. Alrighty. So, Emma... It's your turn this week for Card of the Week. What have you got for us? It is. I'm cheating a little bit because there's multiple cards this week because there are lands and we should always talk about lands <laughs> and when they're cheap because yes. they're the backbone of any magic deck. So what I want to talk about is the Kaldheim Pathway lands. Mm. So we are looking at Hengegate Pathway, Lightstep Pathway, Dark Ball Pathway and Bark Channel Pathway. And they're all around 4 to $5 at the moment each which is quite good considering you'd expect like the Rakdos and the Simic one to be expensive mm. just due to their sort of it's a popular colour pairing like Standard and Historic, for example. So they are some of the best like Cyclob lands that have been printed in recent times because yep. they allow you to play aggressive decks in two colours, which has always been an issue, I think, before when they printed like rare cycle lands. So mm. like the Temple lands are a really good example because I always felt they were overprinted for that reason. So yeah, they're great for Standard, great for Pioneer, also great for Modern and... Yep. Secretly, they're pretty good in Commander as well because they give you that second colour. So, you know, if you're in the market for some, some cheap pathway lands, they're, they're pretty affordable at the moment. Um, and you're going to get your mileage out of them because they're just great in all formats. So that's my choice for this week. Sweet. It might be cheating, but it's a good cheat. <laughs> all right. So the meat and the bones of the episode today is we're going to talk about Pioneer. So Pioneer, if you didn't know, over the last little while has been stagnating quite a bit. And the reason for that was because no one was really playing the format. There weren't any real big tournaments or anything. No big prizes on the line. Metagame wasn't really shifting. The top decks remained the top decks and didn't really move around at all. You know, it was all Wilderness Reclamation stuff or Niv stuff or whatever. But then a bunch of cards got banned out of nowhere. Like, people weren't expecting a ban. And then, yeah, it was fantastic. Wizards just took, like, the 10 most played cards and just threw them right out the window and went, start over, everybody. So... The format is it's fresh and it's exciting. It's wide open at the moment, just like modern. The threats are generally better than the answers right now in Pioneer as well. Because mm. in modern you have stuff like Path and, and all that kind of stuff. Here, you don't. There are countless affordable decks that are also yes. viable. And the power level sits really nicely between standard and modern. So you can absolutely port like a rotating standard deck into Pioneer add a couple of cards to sort of zhuzh it up a little bit, and it'll it'll hold its own, for sure. Which you can't say previously about moving a standard deck to modern. For the most part, that just yeah. never happened, you know. But in Pioneer, mm-hmm. absolutely. 
Um, now, we're going to be talking about how to get into Pioneer on a budget. And the reason for this is because, like we said, at the moment, monocolor decks are incredibly viable. There are so many that have 5 would at least once since the last Band and Restricted announcement. So they've all put up some form of result that is respectable. Even two-color mana bases at the moment are actually pretty decent on a budget because of, surprise, surprise, you mentioned them, the Kaldheim Pathway Lands, and the ones from Zendikar Zendikar as well. Yeah, (laughs) I just forgot the name of it there somehow. Um, Now, I will say, we're going to run through six decks. It's going to be three each, and we're going to give a quick little breakdown of each one. They're mostly aggressively slanted because monocolor decks tend to be pretty single-minded or linear, but there is a lot of difference between them. So, like, there's there's a bit of aggression in different ways to suit your playstyle, And there are other decks as well that we will talk about that are slightly more expensive, but move away from aggro and more into sort of combo or mid-range kind of strategies as well. Mm-hmm. So the decks that we're going to talk about, like I said, have all 5 would at least once in the last month or two since the bands are restricted announcement. And if you want these deck lists and access to the full show notes, you can do so over on our Patreon. Any tier on our Patreon will give you access, like I said, to the show notes, to all the deck lists, the sideboards, the whole lot. It's all over there. So with that said, Emma, why don't you take us into the first deck? So you started me off really nicely here. And we're going to talk about Mono White Aggro in Pioneer because, you know, the deck's great. And one great thing about Mono White Aggro is that it's super cheap. So it's $40 in paper, Mm. but it's also about five tickets on uh, Modo, (laughs) which you can get a free card hoarder account Mm. and they offer you five tickets as like a baseline, as like an introductory sort of account. So you can build this and not cost you anything. It's just a great, it's just a good thing to just keep in mind. Like it's not going to pay, cost you any money to do so. It's just, you just sign up and you get free five tickets. So if you want to play Pioneer, you can play this deck for free, basically. It's free real estate. Um, yeah, free real estate. So this is a typical white aggro deck that looks to land a number of small creatures and grow them by using Anthem effects. It has decent play effects in incidental value from cards such as my one true love, Raven Inspector. <laughs> so yes, it's it's human tribal basically. So you're playing a lot of stuff like Boris Elite, you're playing a lot of, you're playing Kithians, um you've got Thardy's Lieutenant, which is a really, really great payoff in the deck, and Thardy's Lieutenant is just gonna get massive with the amount of one drops you have. Mm. Um, you also have Banalish Marshall at your top end as, as a really cool anthem effect. It goes also goes really well alongside Venerated Loxalon, which is another favourite card of mine. And then you've got a lot of protection as well because you have stuff like Brave the Elements, which just basically is just protects you from any kind of board wipe or any removal that you might see. And then you have some really cool, like neat interactions that are also incidental. So another cool addition is Mardu Way Reaper, which has a lot of incidental value. So it's a one mana creature. Um, so when Mardu Way Reaper or another warrior enters the battlefield under your control. You may exile target creature card from a graveyard, and if you do, you gain one life. Mm-hmm. And also, like, five-colour Niv to Light is very, very popular in Pioneer at the moment. Yeah. Soldier of the Pantheon is just not going to die against that deck. <laughs> so it's just like a free card against the deck. So It's invincible. Just yeah. play Mono White. It's just so much fun. It's really easy as well. If you're looking to get into the format, this is a really good place to start because it's just aggressive. Yeah, absolutely. If you are looking at a $50 budget and you want to get in and you don't know anything about Pioneer, this is the deck for you. If you know a little bit more about Magic or you know a bit about Pioneer and you want something a little more cerebral, I suppose, uh, you can go with Mono Blue Tempo. So mm-hmm. this is another $40 list. It's a classic protect the queen strategy where you keep a single small threat alive while preventing your opponent from resolving anything meaningful at all. 
It's basically an upgrade of that standard deck that Autumn Burchett won the first Mythic Championship with. And it has a little bit better late game thanks to cards like Master of Waves. So the key cards in this, obviously, like I said, Master of Waves. Curious Possession is the number one card. Generally speaking, turn one, you want to play a one-drop flyer. Turn two, you want to play a Curious Obsession on it and hold up a Spell Pierce. That's the classic turn one, turn two with this deck. And then from mm-hmm. there on, you use things like counter spells in general to just stop your opponent from ever playing the game. Like when it was in standard, some people attributed the name to being closer to Mono Blue Prison because of the amount of spells that you actually got to cast, which was effectively zero. Some neat things to bear in mind with this deck is Spectral Sailor is fantastic. It's one of the best flying men ever printed. It's a 1-1 mm-hmm. flyer with flash that you can pay four to draw a card. So if you're flooding out or you're just getting into a late game where you've just been one for one in your opponent, Spectral Sailor can eventually help you pull ahead. And the most recent addition to this deck that someone, I don't know who, but someone added it and was unsubstantiated. So it's return target spell Mm. or creature to its owner's hand. And it's arguably better than Remand in this deck because it either wastes an opponent's turn in mid-range games or it'll blow out combat and aggro matches. So it is a fantastic four of in the main Mm. deck, which you never see. (laughs) Yeah, you never see Unsubstantiate as more than like one or two in a deck. But this runs all four and I own the deck myself. I can say it is Mm. absolutely the right thing to be doing. It's ridiculous. But, I do like the addition of Sea Dasher Octopus. That's not a card I've seen around too much recently. That's a really sweet one. I quite like that. It's very good as being copies 5 to 8 of Curious Obsession while also being a threat yeah. in and of itself. It's just, it's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. I highly recommend this deck if you like uh, showing off how wrinkly your brain is and you don't <laughs> want to spend too much money doing so because, well, surprise, surprise, the reason it's so cheap is the mana base is 20 islands. That's it. Yeah very clean isn't it yeah speaking of very clean mana bases we're going to move up (laughs) closer to the hundred dollar lists and this one emma can't be cleaner what's cleaner than 17 forests and four haship oasis (laughs) when it comes to a land base and so yeah we're we're talking about one green stompy here um it's been a very very successful deck in pioneer since its start it's seen a lot of success it's expanded into like golgari at points as well so when you play Mono Green, Stompy and Pioneer, it's just a no-nonsense Stompy deck. All you care about is deploying your Mana Dork, so you have Elvish Mystic and Lanawar Elves, which is the backbone of any green deck, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And then you just play a three-mana value creature on turn two, like stuff something like a Lovestruck Beast, or you know even a Steel Leaf Champion is a really good one to play mm-hmm. into as well. Um, and then if it's left alone, you pretty much turn sideways, because they need to answer these threats ahead of curve. And even then, you've got stuff like Gold to Primal Hunger to outclass other aggressive decks, and then you've just got Burning Tree Emissary just to generate mana and just, you know, overwhelm opponents removal. Mm-hmm. So yeah. the key cards in the deck are Yelanawar Elves and Elvish Mystic. You want to be playing these on turn one as much as possible because you just want to get ahead and grow that board. Yeah. Um, Steel Leaf Champions are a really great threat. Um, you can also run Old Growth Troll if you fancy, if you've opened a load of Kaldheim, but that's yeah. a really good answer to have in the deck as well. Also, it's really good because you can chant it with a forest because you have a million forests, mm-hmm. so you're good there. And then you've got Burning Tree Emissary, which has been great just because 
just allows you to ramp into other creatures and you get a creature out of it. So it's like free real estate, basically. Free real um, estate. You have a load of cool interactions as well to get your gold out ahead of curve. So you can use pump spells such as Primal Might and an Aspect of Hydra just to grow your creature so you can discount the Golter. Mm. And then, like, Surak giving gold to haste is often an instant kill, which I don't know about you, but I get a kick out of <laughs> turning a 12-12 dinosaur with trample. Like, it doesn't get old. So yeah. this, this deck's really, really sweet. Is also one of the challenger decks that's coming as well very soon. So yes. if you're looking to pick up one of the challenger decks and you want to port to the Pioneer, we did an episode of that a few weeks ago. You should check out and then you can port that over. Yep, absolutely. Similarly, with you were talking about the challenger decks, another one that you can grab a challenger deck and upgrade is the Mono Red, which oh. is a $95 list. This is one that has 5 would since the... Band Restricted Announcement, like I said. The one that we did a couple of weeks ago, slightly different take on it. Both are still absolutely fantastic, so whichever one takes your fancy, go with it. But what this one looks to do is it looks to apply pressure from turn one and then use burn spells to finish the game. So cards like Monastery Swift Spear and Runaway Steamkin, they make the most out of you casting spells. Light Up the Sage and Habit of Carol Keep will help you to keep up with the other value decks. And then cards like Rampaging Frosted on help keep your opponents from mounting any sort of effective defense. So, as I mentioned, some of the key cards here, Monastery, Swift Spear, Soulscar Mage, your one-drop prowess threats. They each have their own utility. Swift Spear is more aggressive, but Soulscar Mage can downsize uh, your opponent's creatures with burn spells. Rampaging Frostodon, like I said, stops them from mounting any kind of effective defense, either by cutting off life gain or any time creatures enter the battlefield, they'll take more damage again. So it's just everything you need to do to punish the, the best things that are used generally against Mono Red. And I put down Wild Slash as another key card, but realistically it could be Wild Slash or Shock or Lightning Strike or like just Burn Spells in general. There's just so many of them mm. that all basically do the same thing. And yeah, some key things with this, like I mentioned, Rampaging Frostodon is one of the big punishers in the deck. Runaway Steamkin can almost cause combo turns, when you have some light up the stage and some burn spells, you know, you can shock an opponent, yeah. light up the stage, hit another spell, cast that, then take three counters off the steamkin, and then keep spamming spells until you basically run out of cards. Mm. And then it'll also go very well with post-board. You have Experimental Frenzy, which is famously broken with steamkin <laughs> because you just machine gun cards off the top of your deck and just keep yeah. going till you hit a pile of lands. And post-board, like I said, in addition to the likes of Experimental Frenzy, you have other resilient threats as well, like Bonecrusher Giants and Hazarets and stuff to really help you grind out if you need to against other aggressive mm. decks. So this is another fantastic choice if you're relatively new to the Pioneer format and you want to start winning games immediately. This is a good one. Mm-hmm. I do like the Gigantha as well as the Companion. That's a really nice touch, I think, the Mono Red deck. Yeah. I think that's really sweet. Yeah, it's nice. It Again, it's another one of those things. It's just free real estate. Yeah. You know, you didn't really have to build anything in your deck for, to do this. So, like, like most companions are free real estate, so you may as well just play them, right? That's it. <laughs> um, That's it. Slightly off topic, but I do believe that Luris has actually just made people build their decks better in modern. That's, yeah, that's my hot okay. take. That's, yeah, that's it. <laughs> but. Thanks, Mistress we're, Bauble. <laughs> we're not talking about modern right now. I just wanted to get that <laughs> on the air. I wanted my opinion yeah. to be out there. But So, yes, this is great for any beginners or seasoned players that just like aggro. Um, mm. 
on, on quite the opposite side, though, we're going to start moving up to the more expensive budget decks, quote unquote. Uh, these are around the $150 range. And Emma, why don't you tell us about probably the absolute <laughs> antithesis to mono red? Yeah. So we're going to talk about Lotus Combo. So Lotus Combo, if you don't know what it is, it uses a card called Lotus Field. Mm. Um, and Lotus Field is a land where you have to sacrifice two lands in order for it to come into play. And it taps for free of any color. So what you're looking to do is to get this on board as soon as possible and use various untap effects to net mana. Mm-hmm. The aim is to win by copying and abusing Lotus Field and using cards to fetch super win conditions from the sideboard. It's not an easy deck to play, so if you're new to Pioneer, I would recommend holding off a little bit until you're familiar and you're comfortable with playing mm-hmm. Pioneer or you're more comfortable playing combo decks in general because this is, this is a very... Uh, it can be a difficult combo deck. Yeah. But it does reward you for persisting with it, to keep playing with it. And also you can goldfish with it just to get down the nuances. You don't need to play against other people. So if you like goldfishing and acting really, really smart, then Lotus Combo might be for you. So yeah, there's a lot of key cards with the deck. Um, So we talked about Lotus Field just now. That is your main win condition. Like You cannot really combo off without it because Mm. it just generates so much good mana. Um, then you have Pour Over Pages, which is another really cool card from, I believe it was Shadows in Innistrad? I think so. Um, so you, it's a five mana sorcery, you draw three cards and you untap two lands and then you discard a card. With this, you want to tap your, both your Lotus Fields because Lotus Field is not legendary either, so you can have multiple out at a time. Mm. And then you've got Fay of Wishes, which has Granted, which is the sorcery side of it where you get a card from your sideboard and you put it into your hand. Mm. And it's with that is where you combo off because you can pick any card against any matchup and you can just go off and win. You have a lot of copy effects as well. So you have Fespian Stage, which is a really, really good one to use. It allows you to get those extra copies of Lotus Field and you can turn any copy to any land, even the opponent's land as well, which is a really good thing to know if you like want to attack with a man land or something um, or like copy a Field of Ruin and blow up someone else's land. It's a really mm. good thing to do. And then you've got a Boreal Grazer, which seems really, really innocuous in the deck, but it actually does quite a lot of work because mm. it allows you to play lands ahead of schedule. It feeds the, the ability on Lotus Field and the reach is oddly relevant on the card as well. A lot of people tend to miss that. Yeah. Um, some, uh, some players actually call Arboreal Grazer Blocks Diamond. I like that. <laughs> That's really good. I like yeah. that. Also, it soaks up a lot of damage against aggressive decks as well because it's like an O3 yeah. for some reason. It's just ridiculous. Um, and then you've got, obviously, you've got Fair Wishes. Not only does it allow you to access win conditions, but also the one-off Anger of the Gods that you have in the sideboard of this deck list, mm. which is really, really good against the aggressive decks yeah. because they're often low toughness. So you can clear the board and then it allows you to combo off. Yeah, it's a sweet deck. Like you said, it's it's absolutely the kind of deck that when you shuffle up with this and you start playing some cards from it, you're like, oh yeah, it's big brain time. Like, yeah. you're playing this deck to either flex or have something to do in your spare time. Like, yeah. that's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing. Like, if you can if you can pilot it, fair play. You know? I think it's one of those decks that if you like enjoy playing combo and you haven't been able to play much magic recently, it's just really good just to get out just to keep the tool sharp. Like yeah. just goldfish for yourself just to make sure you still have like the, the mental attrition for it. It's really good. It's good fun. Yeah. I'm only a couple of cards off owning this myself, so that, and incidentally as well, like because I had the Lotus Fields mm. from Twiddlestorm and Modern and, you know, the the other cards from like a lot of them came from standard recently and stuff, so Yeah. Yeah, you might have more of this deck than you might actually think as well, but it's a lot of fun. It's so 
convoluted. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's a big puzzle, basically. But to round off the list of decks, I couldn't not talk about this. I had to talk about Is It Phoenix. I have my own list of Is It Phoenix, the exact 75 that I run currently. Like I said, it's going to be listed up in the Patreon. And since the recent bans, it's actually been a viable deck again. I'm not, I'm not like, you know, old man yells a cloud to try and like, be like, well, no, (laughs) Phoenix is actually viable. If you look at the, like, it's actually decent. It's actually decent. It's not a top tier deck. It's not a top tier deck, but it absolutely rewards reps. And if you've got a little bit of luck, you will be rewarded with unstoppable levels of of power. You know, like I'm talking flipping a thing on the ice on like a a really early turn, you know, getting like three or four Phoenixes back as early as like potentially turn three if you're lucky, you know, that kind of thing. And it can pivot between playing the control deck and playing the beatdown quite easily because it can grind out with the best of them thanks to also being the best treasure cruise deck in the format. This fills its graveyard so quickly, just even incidentally. And when you have main deck access to like Izzet Charms and Lightning Axes, like you have removal for days, you have permission spells, you have ways to filter through to get the pieces that you need. It's so consistent. It's very powerful. Also, I completely forgot treasure cruise is legal in Pioneer. Because I keep thinking of modern. Yeah. Thank you, Fetchlands, for not existing in this format so I can play yeah. Ancestral Visions. Yeah. <laughs> Carry on. Um, yes. So the key cards in this deck obviously are Arclay Phoenix, Treasure Cruise, and then pretty much any card that puts cards in the graveyard. So Charter Course tends to be probably the one that I use as like the poster child for this kind of build because you can use it for setting up you know, to either fill the graveyard for a treasure cruise or to set some phoenixes into the bin for a later turn to be set up or that turn even. Or you can attack one of your creatures and chart a course for a two mana draw two. That's pretty decent as well. So there's a lot of modality on basically all of the cards in the deck. And that's what makes it so easy to pivot from different modes, I suppose. I could talk for days about the different need interactions and cards in this deck, (laughs) but I'll just give one or two. So... It's worth noting that this deck is slower than the way Modern Phoenix was, because that was much closer to the Blitz kind of style. But with that said, it can still be explosive given the opportunity. And keeping control of the battlefield is critical in aggro games, because you could just remove all the things in the board, and then eventually Treasure Cruise will just refill your hand to start combo turns later on. Holding up is a charm as a counter or removal is generally the right play as well, instead of just, you know, on turn three, oh, I'm just going to start spamming stuff. Maybe, maybe don't. You know, maybe hold up the as a charm and if you've no use for it, you can loot on their end step to help set you up for the following turn. That's generally a very, very good thing to do. A lot of people don't know which to cast first, you know, either strategic planning or charter course and that kind of thing. Usually lead with strategic planning first because you might, you know, put some phoenixes into the bin and it'll help decide what to do with the cards you get from charter course. Charter course after that and then is a charm is usually the last one that you would do. And then finally, this is a bit of a niche interaction, but if your thing in the ice has one ice counter left on it, you can lightning axe it if it's the only creature that's out and it'll transform before it takes the damage, which means that it'll have five damage marked on an eight toughness creature, which will prevent it from dying. It's usually pretty good against like control decks and stuff that just don't have creatures out and you're just sitting there with a thing in the ice and you're like, I need to kill them quickly. So yeah, that can be good too. It's even better that you don't have lightning bolt in the format either. So you're not going to get blown out with a bolt. 
which is good. That's it. I've got a question for you. Mm-hmm. How excited are you for Prismari Command in Is It Phoenix? I, in Pioneer? Oh, let me tell you. Like <laughs> I said, this is not a blitzy deck. This is not a blitzy mm. style deck. So three mana spells are actually probably fine. You know, mm. there have been times where I've brought Phoenixes back by spending four mana on a treasure cruise on a turn. You know, like it's it's absolutely doable. And I think it has the potential because draw two, discard two, and then kill something is insane. Or draw two, discard two, and make a treasure token so that I can untap and have more mana to go off. Or, mm. you know, kill something or blow up an artifact. Like blow up a damping sphere and make a treasure token and then untap yeah. and then I can just go to town. Like I'm main decking at least two of these. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. These are phenomenal cards that I am desperate to get my hands on a playset. Absolutely. Definitely going to happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that is it. That is six decks that are all under $150 to get you into Pioneer. Let us know on Twitter what your favorite one is, or if you have any other good suggestions, and we will be sure to tweet them out as well. Yes. Now, with that said, have we got any Q&A today, Emma? We do have some Q&A. So we have a fairly long one from Fire Alejandro. Oh. Um, they say, I don't know if you guys remember my Blue Red Pioneer deck you guys had a look at a couple of weeks ago. Mm. But I decided to go down a more mid-range temporary using one mana flyers and flash threats for interaction. They do supply the deck list in this as well. This is why they're not writing, though. They're writing to ask, what is the probability of Is It Blitz being banned in modern, in your guys' opinion? I'm planning on slowly building it, since I have all the creatures and a couple of the spells from the Pioneer list, but I'm wondering if it's worth it, since quite a bit part of the metagame, mm. and Nikachu said some stuff where it could get banned, such as like Manamorphose, or even like Monastery Swissbeer. Or they're not sure to wait until Modern Horizons 2, because that's on the horizon soon and there might be some stuff coming from that as well my opinion is that is it blitz is fine you can build it it's not going to get banned i don't know where i don't know you know like everyone's entitled to their opinion of course but i can't see a world where either of those cards are banned that sounds like someone that was salty they lost to the deck a lot yeah (laughs) like (laughs) a bit tunnel vision perhaps yeah yeah like now i'm not going to sit here and think that manamorphose is not in the back of my mind as a potentially bannable card because there is mm. potential. Like, you know, we saw Simeon Spirit Guy just get pulled out from under the rug only a couple of weeks ago. Uh, mm-hmm. But realistically, like, there are so many things that have been pulled out of modern now that I think Manamorphose is... This is going to sound weird because it, it sounds like I'm contradicting myself. It's something that these decks need in order to thrive. But yes. even if it does get banned, these decks are still going to survive. You know, like, it, it, it's what makes them tier one at the moment, is the likes of Manamorphose or Mutagenic Growth or Gutshot or whatever, Lavadart. But if one of those gets banned, you're just going to play more of the other ones and it'll be fine. You know, like, I would not be concerned about this deck suddenly becoming unplayable like, say, Phoenix did, because Phoenix relied so heavily on Faithless Looting, specifically the second casting of it, the flashback from the graveyard. Yeah. That deck used that part way more than anyone else did. And that was the blow that killed it. This, you would have to like kill all decent prowess creatures in the format in order to kill this yeah, deck Yeah, that's off. not going to happen, no. I don't think. Um, and plus, stuff like Manamorphose and Monastery Swissbeer are inexpensive anyway because they've been reprinted recently, mm-hmm. um, like Double Masters. And you do have the time shift of ones, but Monastery Swissbeer remains a affordable card anyway. So like, even if you do buy it and for some reason, for some weird 
reason they get banned you're not too much out of pocket so i would just pick these up no problem like i'd be very i'd be worried if modern got to a point where we had to ban modern manamorphos and one issue swiss beer i think there's a lot more other things we can talk about before we get there and you know what you know what this actually ties in quite a lot with what i was saying about phoenix and pioneer and Mm. your own uh, Blue Red Pioneer deck that you were talking about here, uh, Fire Alejandro. And that is that even if Manamorphos does get banned somehow, which it won't, but we're just talking hypotheticals here, if it somehow does get banned, it will just take on a more tempo kind of route where it will still play your cheap threats like your Sprite Dragons and that kind of stuff. And rather than just trying to like, you know, kill on the spot, they will just lean more into the tempo plan that they're already pretty adept at anyway you'll just be leaning a little bit more on it. So you'll notice there'll be a little bit more like main deck interaction, like maybe a couple spell pierces and that kind of thing. And uh, maybe some remands where you're not tapping out on your turn anywhere near as often. And that kind of thing. And just trying to keep control of the board and doing closer to a mono blue tempo kind of job, only being much, much, much better at it. Mm. So yeah, no, I would have no concerns about this. And if Manamorphos does end up getting banned, it's going to be a very, very minimal impact because Manamorphos is cheaper than it's ever been right now, I think. It's about $2 each, roughly. Yeah. So it's minimal investment right now. And I think it's a fairly low risk one at that. But yeah. So at that TCG ask, looking to add counterbalance to my modern blue-white control deck, but don't own any Jason Mine Sculptors. Is there a good budget effect to improve the efficiency of counterbalance in the deck? I'll be honest, I don't think I would play Counterbalance if I didn't have J2MS, to be honest, because that effect is very, very unique. However, if you wanted to, the first one that comes into my mind is Future Sight, but it's not exciting because they get to see the top card. There is a card from Dominaria. Uh, Bear with me. I'm actually just pulling out my deck at the moment that has it in the sideboard. Uh, because I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head for some bizarre reason. Precognition Field. That's the one I was thinking, the enchantment, yeah. Yeah, four mana enchantment that you can look at the top card of your library and you can cast the top card of your library if it's an instant or sorcery card. And you can pay three to exile the top card of your library. So you could use that, but to be honest, the way I see counterbalance is if you're going to add counterbalance, JTMS pretty much has to be included. So you can't just add counterbalance by itself. It has to go with the Jaces. So if you're looking at, can I afford to add counterbalance, you have to include at least, I would say at least two Jace the Mind Sculptors mm. in order to put it in. So counterbalance, I don't think, could possibly be a budget option. If you really wanted to, you could... The counterbalance decks already run quite a few of these cards that I'm going to say now, so I don't know how impactful this is going to be, but max out on Omen of the Sea and serum visions to make sure that you have a setup scry kind of effect and if you're going to do that then you may as well run with say like opts as well so that you might be able to say instant speed into a miracle spell like terminus or that kind of thing as well but overall the effectiveness of counterbalance without jtms is it's not good it's just really not good you know you need to be able to abuse it in order for it to be effective but don't get me don't get me wrong it's a great idea like oh, yeah. spikes has some really great success with counterbalance but it's largely in in debt to having four jtms um yeah. because what it does is just so unique and this, the reason why you play the card and then lastly we've got uh, a tweet from evie the mage Ooh. as our weekly tweet um they drop us a tweet to say with times where we must have just now dropping 
the prices of singles are tanked from their pre-order amounts. Uh, they just wanted to let us know that uh, they've seen both Framian App Ruins and Fravor Inspector Time Shifted non-foil under a dollar each, which nice. is really good. And I'm tempted to pick a set up of each. <laughs> Sick. Yeah. I'm going to have to look yeah. into some Monastery Swift Spears. Oh. I want to pick up some Ancient Stirrings and some Sylvan Scryings for Tron, because I've got... So I've got Monogreen Tron in Modern, mm-hmm. um, but it's not foil because it's my competitive deck. Mm-hmm. But I can still get some nice fancy old border stuff that aren't foil just to give it a bit of personality. So I can't foresee those being expensive. So that might be my next purchase. Yep. Make sure that even when you're playing the flex deck, you got to flex on them that little bit more. Thank you for listening to us here at the BMcast, and a special thanks to our patrons. At the Cheering Fanatic tier, we have Alejandro, Kilgore Trout 503, Max Makes Magic, Philippe Delmott, The Jazz Guy, The Joe Cheney, Bradley Rose, Dahi Carroll, Ian Holland, and The Pauper Guild. And at the Stonks tier, we have Anga Orr, Scott Creech, Simon Grip, Brian Madden, Nerblin, Everett Brogan, and Tom Telford. Thank you all for helping to keep this podcast on the air. We can't thank you enough. If you want to support us and add your name to this list of lovely people, head on over to patreon.com forward slash budgetmagicast. If you have any questions, comments, or sweet brews, you can email us at budgetmagicast at gmail.com or message us on Twitter at the BMcast. We'll be back next week to give you even more bang for your buck. <laughs>